right, well, welcome back to the glue, guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller, and Brian, the Nets are back. Basketball yeah, was played at Barclays. <laughs> um, we were in the house, Mike. Dude, we were in the house. We were celebrities. People were coming up to us like we were Taylor Swift, clawing at us because we were so popular at Barclays. Um, um, no, that it was a great time. Thanks for coming out, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for... Well, thank you yeah. for our... Um, I don't know how to describe him. Our secret inside source, who sugar daddy. That's our that's our sugar daddy. <laughs> our sugar yeah. daddy, who's apparently now phoneless. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a tough loss. <laughs> did not, did not. Uh, yeah, our our buddy lost his phone like midway through the, maybe maybe like at halftime, and it, it was hard to get him back. <laughs> he was depressed about it. <laughs> Just sat there <laughs> and stone faced. He may not be able to hear this because he does not have a phone now. So we can say whatever yeah. we want about him. Um, yeah. it was great. We had good seats. We were like 15 rows behind the basket, um, you know, to, just to the right of the basket. So a good angle. We saw we could really see the athleticism of some of the players. Um, mm. Pretty full crowd. Uh, nice crowd for a preseason game. I mean, I know it was the Knicks, but great. Fantastic for the first one of the season. So a real buzz was throughout the arena. What was your feeling? They had that preseason security on their mid-season game let me tell you they <laughs> that's that's always my favorite part of getting in is the the full body scan um some poor guy in front of me who did not have a super good grasp on english um had his headphones on and they oh i saw <laughs> like, that guy tried to get, it was bad he they did he didn't know what they wanted from him and they wanted his headphones um in that little dish thing and it took a while but anyways good stuff um how about that uh brooklyn Brigade, the Brooklyn Block, whatever that section was right behind us. That was, yeah. um, that'll be a whole season of that. <laughs> so you're anti that. You're So the Brooklyn Brigade, if you don't know, it's like a professional cheering section for the Nets. It's, it's in, it's in the bottom bowl, but it's sort of to the back of the basket all the way up to like the last sections of the bottom bowl where they're like, where there's the walkthrough area. And then there's those another 10 rows of seats. Um, I mean, I it's was impressed. I'm, anti, I'm not anti the the promo package or whatever. Like, I'm pro that. I'm anti manufactured enthusiasm. That's what I'm anti. You know, I'm anti like, you know, chanting Theo Pinson. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm anti. See, I, because that feels bad to me. I le- I enjoyed the fact that there was a Theo Pinson chant because one, you don't really get that. You didn't even get that in North Carolina <laughs> where he was a really good player, and it's just like. One, I think that shows a level of irony. The fact that the, the, the Brooklyn Brigade had a Theo Pinson cheer ready to roll. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, so I appreciate it. They have an everyone chant ready to roll. That's the thing. I just feel like it's it's like both. It's like I can't I don't have my, my thoughts fully organized about this, but there's sure. something off putting about it that I can't quite put my finger on. It'll take me a couple of games into the season to really nail down on it. But there's something there's something I can't. It's maybe it's that they. I don't sense the irony, and I think that the the <laughs> Pinson chants are authentic is part of the problem. I don't know. I can't. I can't quite figure it out. But anyways, let's dig in deep into our hot takes. Like there, you've got to have a million hot takes here, Mike. All right. So here's the headline. So if you didn't watch the game, or if you did, but if you didn't watch the game, the thing that you missed, you absolutely missed. This is the number one thing that came out of this game that needs to be discussed, Brian. It is that yeah. Rodians, Rodians, Karox, is I think mm. is how we're saying Kudix. the name. Kudix. Kudix. Oh, that's beautiful. Way to go. Yeah. Um, Kudix, Kudix uh, who I like to call the coffee maker, 
hashtag mm, the, the percolator, the percolator <laughs> um, yeah. was eye-opening. An eye-opening performance from our man. 13 points, four from six from the field, four rebounds, two assists, four steals, uh, super active. He was across between Kevin Durant, Julius Irving, and Bradley Cooper. Just like a phenomenal <laughs> performance. <laughs> um, um, no, honestly, what was your what was your Kuruks? I mean, let the Andre Kirilenko comparisons rain down Pretty good. from above. You know, a better shoot, shooting um, Kirilenko, maybe. <laughs> yeah, a uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, what's not to love? A a fourth quarter slap on a like a a, a fun breakout game. First season of the first game of the preseason, this guy knows what he's doing. He he's got his handle on the PR machine, Mike. Because if you're gonna have a like mini breakout game, that's definitely the time to do it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm yeah. being honest. When so we had so one, he was B division European League, right? Like he was the classic story about him was that he was pushed on Barcelona's B division because he had made it clear that he did not want to play for them, that he wanted to go to the NBA, and they just decided to park him on the bench. The Nets had constantly been scouting him for two years, probably even more than that. They had scouted this guy, and every time they went to go see him play, they benched him, basically. I think there's maybe only one time when he actually played in front of, you know, Sean Marks or Trajan Legden or whoever it was. Um, so we didn't know anything. And the description about Europeans, frankly, of that height are all the same, right? It's like he's got some handle. He can shoot a uh, little playmaking ability, but then he scores like two points a game. So you just have no... There's no way to know. There's no highlights, really. There's just no way to know of who, what he's going to be when he gets over here. What I saw mm. was honestly super active dude who was like in the mix all the time, but not out of control. I mean, I'm sure he will be yeah. out of control, but swiping like, constantly, so like very handsy, always swiping at the ball. And it just like in so like that's the sort of thing that you don't really hear about in the scouting report. Is like I'm not saying he's going to be a lockdown defender. But I saw energy on defense, which hopefully will translate into something. I mean, he's not going to play that much, let's be honest. But, like, I don't know. I saw something real there. I, like, I saw, I saw a vision of a contributing basketball player, which in the second round is phenomenal, Brian. This is it. Yeah. He is the savior. I mean, who needs for Jimmy a team with <laughs> For a team with only, like, maybe two and three maybe, like, pe- like players that can penetrate off the dribble, like for a guy that's just like, you know, your millionth pick who um, has the gumption to put the ball on the ground and like beat his man, you know, beat his, the stretch four that's guarding him. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's hard not to love that. Um, speaking of which, we could not get inside the paint there for a bit, Smeltz. What's yeah. the deal? Yeah, so the way that like Atkinson ran the game again, if you didn't watch, was he had the starters out there without Rondé because Rondé was out of the game. It was Lavert, Crab, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, Damari Carroll. And then he basically just played those five together. Ed Davis came in for Allen for a little bit, and then he brought in like a full bench unit. So that's Joe Harris, Dinwiddie, Ed Davis again, Jared Dudley, and Trevion Graham was the guy who was playing a lot actually last night. Um when it yeah. was the Dinwiddie second unit lineup, it was basically let's pass the ball around the three-point line and hope to God one of our screens loosens the shooter. And that was it. There was, like, no penetration, not from Dinwiddie. There was no, there was yeah. no like, pizzazz there. And what are we going to – we can't flip out about you it. You know what else 
was an interesting thing is um, just watching back some of it. They had like the secret is that about Joe Harris, his little pump fake hard dr- dr- dribble right to the basket is gone. Like they are, they've scouted that officially, <laughs> took it away. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Joe uh, adapts to to basically being scouted a little bit more than than he's used to. And and we talked about this. It's like, you know, uh, D'Angelo Russell worked out a ton, and like you can actually do, you do see his like body looks a little different, a little more slathe. S L I T H E. What's that? I don't know. But he looks like he looks wiry. He looks good out there. Slight? Eh, not slight. It's like it's like it's like wiry, but similar. You're talking about lithe? Yes. So no S. Yeah. What does lithe yeah. mean? It means like like wiry, right? Yeah, like like skinny. Yeah. Yeah. So he looks good out there. You can kind of see Jared Allen. There's a little more definition. Joe Harris, just same body, same pr- approach. He just yeah. he showed up with new hair. Great! Oh my, you know how I feel about. I mean, one, it, it should be immediately inducted. <laughs> why, why do you think that's great? He looks like an extra from Braveheart with that hair. Like, just, it's just like <laughs> that's a. That's a compliment. A, Is like that a, not a compliment? A Highlander. <laughs> he looks like a Highlander. <laughs> I go more Serpico. Yeah. Um, you know, Al Pacino uh, yeah. Serpico, <laughs> which I really appreciate, especially because he's like the guy who rides the subway. So the guy who rides the subway on yeah. the team should also look like Serpico. I appreciate that. Um, I think it's a fantastic look. You don't like the hair, and I'm pro hair. No, I don't. I mean, like just unkept bangs in. I don't know <laughs> in front. Of, like, what's what's to like about that? Um, <laughs> I just enjoy that the fact that like he got. I'm not saying he didn't like work out this off season, but he just showed up, and he was like, "Gonna have the same body type, guys. I may make eight million more a year, but I'm just gonna show up and like still not be that dynamic physically." Just gonna shoot threes. I know what my game is. I'm just a solid three point shooter yeah. who does the. That's, pump that's what that haircut says to me. It's like I may have gotten paid, but I'm still Joey from the block. You know, I'm still <laughs> not getting my haircut. Joey <laughs> with, Bag of Donuts. With the boys. Is your... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that second unit was like, again, it's preseason basketball. So everything we say here, as we say it, don't like, don't add us and be super mad that we're like, oh, the net. The, the glue guys are saying the net second unit is horrible and they're never going to be good. I'm just saying this is what we saw, right? This is what we saw. We don't even, I mean, like, I'm not even making any kind of claims about whether the nets are good or bad. Just, I mean, I think it's just really a bad habit to be in after a preseason game. You know, you just don't want to be caught making bold claims when you've got, you know, McLaughlin, I don't even know his first name, finishing out a a fourth quarter. I did just pull him up. So, yeah, if, if you stuck around for the fourth quarter... And again, I, I appreciate everyone who. So, if you watched this game last night, that means you're either a Mets fan or a Nets super fan, because the Yankees mm. were obviously playing in a one-game playoff. Um, I don't know what channel would the game even been on. Yes, two. If people still get yes, two. No, I was on MSG. Oh, good point. Good point. Um, Jordan mm-hmm. McLaughlin, he's a six-one, one eighty-five point guard from USC. He was born in nineteen ninety-six. So there you go. That's that's all I know about him. He's from Pasadena, nice. California. Um, Brian and I were confused about who he was and did if he existed. He just kind of f- fell over and coughed up the ball at a very critical juncture. Um, Notably, that was the one thing he did that was noteworthy. I will say, so, like, what's interesting is that when you go to a game, you don't necessarily have the stats in front of you. I mean, they are up on the board, but, like, you're not, like, observing them as much as when it's on TV. So D'Angelo was yeah. four for 12. Um, but I felt like when he, when he was in the game, like I was like, he's, 
he's like amazing. <laughs> I was, I was. This is this is why, yeah. This is why I've always learned to like go back and rewatch like games from from not when you're at them because it's so funny. Like Travion Graham, like had a pretty good game on paper, like you know, and like what going back and like watching some of his makes, like yeah, it's like a good game. But like I just, my memory is like just him missing horrifically <laughs> on like two <laughs> very hard, very rightward threes. Well, like Dinwiddie was four for nine from the field and five for seven from the three th- free throw line. Four for nine's like that's a pretty good night, you know. That's like what forty five percent or whatever. But like all- watching him live, and if you'd watch him in the game, like he had some misses that were just like, wow. They were like I think there was almost an air ball three, and there was like a sort of in the lane turnaround jumper that just like went way off. He was wide open on it's like near the baseline or I don't know. He was wide open wherever, and he just totally missed the shot. Mm-hmm. But, but his stat line's four for nine, and he got thirteen points, and he's six assists, and he looks like a typical Spencer game. No, no turnovers again from Dinwiddie. It's an interesting thing to sort of investigate further this sort of bias of of like when you're not like when you have just that one vantage point of being like at the game, like those mistakes just seem so much more glaring than like the like tiny little things they're doing well that you sort of are able to pick up on TV better. So what I want to do is I just want to kind of like run through some bullet points, some things I observed and, you know, whatever from the guys. And again, this is game one preseason. Like, I'm not going to go crazy with it. I mean, I, I do want to, again, color our sort of analysis from last year. The Nets beat the Knicks twice in preseason and the second game was a blowout. And we were <laughs> we were talking about how much of a disaster the Knicks were going to be in the Nets. Maybe the Nets will be really good. And then the Knicks dominated the Nets in the regular season, unfortunately. So, like, all of this is bullshit, right? We, we all understand. We're all swimming in it. So, it's no big deal. Um, first, Ed Davis. Oh, my God. Ugh, Brian. Uh, Ed Davis. Just totally in love with that guy. In love. I think he's going to make a massive difference compared to what the Nets are trotting out as, like, the second unit center um, this year. I think he's just, like... He's scrappy. He does all those like little annoying things to the other team. The boxing out, no. the sort of muscling of guys away that like don't show up in the stat sheet, but shows up on the court. Brian, I I love him. It is it is really interesting at how like how good he is at just forcing his guy too far under the hoop. You know, yes. and like you would think like Quincy AC is like you know a way bigger person than than Ed Davis what like and but somehow was unable to to sort of do that or like just didn't have the instinct to do it but like every time I was watching Ed Davis closely he was like constantly forcing the guy directly under the hoop where where he couldn't get the ball it was um yeah I mean like what's I was also looking through some comments and people were like oh like Ed Davis like got like killed by Ennis Cantor last night like blah 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 and um and so did Jared Allen I'm like yeah I mean I I feel like Ennis I, I don't know is it a big problem for you that like players like Ennis Cantor are going to continue to just feast on our scrawny, undersized center four five front court rotation? Like, I mean, is there is there a way to fix that? Can Jared Allen just suddenly get good at that, or like what's going to happen with that? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, we all need to remember that the NBA is like shifting, right? And so Ed Davis, when he was coming out of North Carolina, was actually kind of considered like a three, but probably a four. And as the NBA has shifted, he's become a five. Jared Allen, while we all love him and his wingspan's fantastic and he's a pterodactyl out there, he's still a skinny dude. And Enos Cantor is like classically would have fit in, you know, 15, 10 years ago. He, he's just like one of the tougher 
offensive matchups in the league. Just like so, yeah. I, I take nothing from. It's like the classic uh, Vucevic always seems to kill the the Nets. It's like that guy, the guy who really doesn't exist that much more in the league, but like as a Cantor or Vucevic or you know Greg mm-hmm. Monroe at one point, but not anymore. That guy's still gonna mostly get 18 to 20 points against the nets which you're just gonna have to seed it's just like just a thing we're all gonna have to accept and like i will say fareed maybe will have a better shot because he's a little more active and can like be super annoying to canter but i feel like there's a future for jared allen and guarding guys like this if they just if he just guards the pass more if he like because jared allen's basically defense at present is just stalking around for blocks and when he's doing that against people like Ennis Cantor, you're just not, that's not going to work. So, like, getting, like, you know, getting your hands on the ball when it's, like, you know, before the shot goes up is, is sort of where he should have his head at. Just, like, doing the relying on speed thing. But he's just really not there yet. Well, he really just, you know, plays it safe and gets backed in too far. It was exciting for a moment last night. He switched on to, I think, Trey Burke. And Trey Bur- he was kind of guarding Trey Burke. Now, he didn't, like, not that he shut him down. But I was excited to see the – because, like, that's what I do want to actually see out of Jared Allen is that I want to see him switched onto guards because we talk about him as having the athleticism to switch onto guards, and that's what makes him potentially special. Um, I actually want to see that happen more. The Nets probably don't, but I do because I want to see him adjust in those situations. (laughs) Well, what he always does is he lets the guy beat him, like, just by a little bit, and then he, like, blocks him from behind. Or, like, that's what he's trying to do constantly. Yeah, what he had like two yeah. or three blocks last night, two blocks, and both were like in the first quarter within the first five minutes. Um, yeah. And I think Zach Lowe went in his uh, league pass rankings when he talked about the Nets. Jared Allen, I think, is within the top 12 in like uh, opponent field goal percentage in terms of like Jared Allen's very good at not letting other guys score when he's in mm-hmm. there. Um, but, but again, like Enos Cancer is just like a, a tough matchup. And. Jared Allen's super young, and, like, Cantor is a pretty established vet who has some nice moves, and he's within eight feet of the basket. Again, Ed Davis is a veteran, but it's like, that's tough for Ed Davis to deal with. There's just not, like, we could name probably about eight guys in the league who are Cantor types, but that's about it. Maybe even, I don't even know if it's eight anymore. So it's like, uh, what you do have to plan for, which is what Jared Allen's good for, is more of the Clint Capella types, the pick-and-roll centers who... Jerry Allen just has to hang with and be able to then switch on to guards if he has to. That matters more than defending Cantor. Um, mm. But Jared Allen was like, we talk about him so much as being the next Clint Capella. Is that like, again, we need to remember this is his second year. And there's a good shot that like, he's not going to score more than nine points a game. Like, as good as he may be defensively and hopefully will be, offensively it's... You're not going to get that much from him. It's just, you know, that's fine. Not a big deal. He's a second-year player and it's interesting the center. To think like how how like a team like the Rockets just doesn't have an issue with with players like Ennis Cantor, right? Like cuz like we're effectively trying to do uh, you know, Mori Ball-esque kind of thing. And I think what the situation is they just like run players like that off the floor. Like they just like they can't keep up with the pace of the game and they just become sort of like ineffective um over a long enough period of time. Um, the problem with the Nets at present is that they are pretty low in 
um, like transition points scored and things like that. Like they though they play at a really fast pace, it's it's a pretty half court heavy thing. So they allow the center of time to like get set back up and stuff. There's not a ton of those intermediary points. And like I saw in the beginning in the first quarter, like <clears throat> Jared Allen trying to make those like long outlet passes, and there was like an obvious attempt to do that. But still, D'Angelo Russell is not fast enough to like just beat guys in the open court. Yeah. So that that is like an interesting problem that doesn't seem like it's going to be resolved with our current players um other than like you could give it up to like Karis LeVert or, or Spencer Dinwiddie but even still like those guys aren't like I wouldn't say prototypical like playmakers on the fast break um or at least they're not like playmakers and that they can like really pass for other people they they typically go in and try to score for themselves so I don't know that there's there's not really um yeah I don't know I don't know that there's a solution to that for for this current roster um, yeah, there's no – so beyond even, like, D'Angelo, as you were saying, who is not going to be a fast-break point guard in terms of, like, like really getting out ahead of it, there's no wing guy that is really ever going to get out ahead of it either. Like, there's not, like, the streaking wing who's going to go to the hoop and dunk it down. Like, they don't have yeah. – that guy does not exist on this – I mean – Dinwiddie is, is as close as it gets. And, like, Lavert technically should be a good fast-break player because he's both tall, athletic – and can handle the ball a bit, so you could actually pass it to him. He could dribble a few times and then then dunk it. But like, he's not that fast. He's athletic, but he's yeah. not like super fast. And Jared Allen is your best hope for being like maybe getting a rebound, passing it quickly to a defender. And he he like, to his credit, he's like a hustling big, so he runs straight to the hole, and then you know he may get an alley oop. But yeah, but again, it's funny to think that like those guys aren't straight. Like it's. It's it's why that like that version of Mori Ball is so it's like Trevor Ariza is a really good fast break player secretly like you know and he has really long strides and like finishes really well going really fast um, and because which is and like he's like kind of yeah, a master yeah. of cutting to the hoop and then cutting back out for a corner three you know like that's that's yeah. like another advantage that the Nets really don't but like really when the Nets go in transition they're hunting for a three like a lot of teams do like they really try to figure out a way to get. An op- just an open three-point shot for Crab, or and Crab will probably miss it, so no, not a big deal. <laughs> um, what did you hot takes from from Crab last night, Mike? What do you got? Uh, same exact same exact situation. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to go too crazy because I again just a hater. But uh, as I've told you many times before, you can see the look on his face. Like as he's shooting, he's thinking. At least I'm extrapolating this from his expression. Am I going to make this? If I make this, man, that would be great. If I don't make this, oh, crap. People are going to be mad at me again and tweet about me and stuff like that. Like, I can feel that seeping out of his face as he's shooting. Um, it's probably not true. It's just my own, you know, I'm projecting on onto him because that's how I feel. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm going to give Crab some some time here. I'm going to let him, let him mature because he did play well at the end of last year. It was preseason game one. Um you said something funny though at the game about, am I gonna have to start disliking Joe Harris because he's getting paid now? Uh, yeah. If you want to explain sort of why you believe I'm, I'm gonna now hate Joe Harris. <laughs> uh, well, well, we're gonna find out if there's a bias here. Um, but I mean, <clears throat> Mike has a really hard time separating the on-court <laughs> product. <laughs> And the, what it takes to get them on court, the money involved, which is why he has such you know longstanding resentment for for Alan Crab, um, and why he's been you know lauding the efforts of of Joe Harris for so long. Um, but now Joe Harris is you know, he's got a reasonable contract, but he's still he's getting paid. You know he's he's taking up 
a much larger percentage of the of the cap than um, than previously. So it's time, you know, you got to bring up your expectations along with that stuff, Mikey. You, you got to raise your expectations, and with that, you know, you run the risk of having a little disappointment coming with it. But we'll see. We'll see what comes, you know, from from you. I I, I expect that you have these deep held prejudices, but. Um, you maybe you can prove me wrong. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm not going to prove you wrong. I'm going to be so disappointed by Joe <laughs> Harris this year. If he does the exact same thing as last year, which was like pretty great, I'm going to be like, eh, probably should step it up. Probably should have worked out in the off season, Joe. I'm sure he did, but he he looks like he just played ping pong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy who was like, I'm going to work on hand eye coordination and just play ping pong. Yeah. While while it's um, a nice cardio, if you play it correctly, not the best. Also, he he also could be a guy. <laughs> How are you playing ping pong where it's nice cardio, dude? I'm all over. I'm all over the. Uh, You're like cartwheeling the into the actually forehand smash. Actually, I'm not. I'm a, I'm the person who pretty much immediately gives up on the shot if it's any distance away from me. But in wow. spike ball, have you played spike ball, Brian? I feel like, dude, I, th- I spike ball is a super great game. It's I, I can't believe it's not more prevalent. I was actually watching, and this is so lame, but. I was in, I don't know, one of the parks along the Hudson River in Manhattan, and there's like, there were professional, I guarantee there were professionals. Th- these four guys were playing it at a level I had never seen before. Like the diving mm. and the change of the speed. But I feel like Joe Harris is, probably paid some spike ball, and that was it. Like that was have his you, workout. Have you ever seen this game? I, I always look it up and I always forget the name of it, but it's like basically volleyball that people play with their feet and like, Indonesia or something. Yes, it's yes. it's um, it is by far the most impressive sport like ever. <laughs> <laughs> like and it's it's not a big ball too. It's like the size of a grapefruit, and yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, pickle is also uh, expanding rapidly across the country. I don't know if you played any pickle, which is it's just on a tennis court but smaller, and the ball doesn't really travel that far. So you're like it's like kind of racquetball-y, but there's not a wall. That, you know, it's like the the movements of racquetball, but on a tennis court, it's fun. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm sure people are excited about that segment. Great segment. Yeah. Thank you. Please tweet at us for more segments. Somebody, <laughs> somebody in the Nets Daily comments, shout out to whoever it was who was coming down hard on us for our Mark Wahlberg <laughs> digression in the last episode with Jimmy Butler, um, which I think is a salient point. I got to be honest with you. It's a salient it, point. It needed to be stated because it's like one of the – the anti Jimmy Butler, like it had to be talked about. Like, I don't, I'm yeah. not going to apologize about that. Like if you don't think that Jimmy Butler um, being a fan and a friend of Mark Wahlberg is an issue, then you, you've yeah. got a problem. You know, great yeah. transition, Brian, great transition because this is where right. we're at. So, uh, you know, preseason game one headlines to me was Kurox was dominant. Kuduks. Kuduks was dominant. Um, Ed Davis. I'm in love with, Alan Crabb's the exact same player. Joe Harris, exact same player. And we'll move on from there. I, we probably should mention quickly about Karis LeVert, you know, trying to go to the hole. I appreciate that. Thank you, Karis LeVert, for doing that. Um, <laughs> but let's update about Jimmy Butler real quick, and then we're going to say goodbye. And then we got some exciting pods coming up planning. We have maybe some, some big guests planning. As we always say, they come down the pipe, and finally this pipe is reaching us like Mario. Um, Jimmy Butler latest is that First, we'll go Nets, and then we'll go league-wide. Um, I love hearing car sounds behind us. Um, mm. The Nets is that it seems like the Nets don't want Jimmy Butler. We know that because we've been told reports. I think Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer and multiple other people, too, um, 
that they have not even offered Karis LeVert for Jimmy Butler. So that means they're offering, likely, if they are offering anyone at all, like Dinwiddie, Damari Carroll, maybe a pick somewhere, and like uh, something else, maybe a little something else, and that would be it. Mm-hmm. No matter how bad the deals are, you cannot imagine that the, that the Timberwolves are going to take that. <coughs> um, especially because it seems like the Timberwolves want to dump Gorgi Jang, sorry, I apologize, um, in the deal. There's no way, there's no way the Nets are going to take Gorgi uh, in any deal. Unless if it's like, like we'll take Jimmy Butler and Gorgi, and that's and we'll give you like uh, McLaughlin. That'd be like the only deal that that would ever happen. Uh, but I still don't even think that. So, but what is happening mm. is it seems like the Miami Heat are really like pushing forward. Woj is tweeting out that you know uh, the Heat are really trying to get the Timberwolves to accept an offer sheet of well maybe this is what Minnesota wants: Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson, and a first round pick. Um, the Heat may not want to offer that. The Heat are trying to offer like other crappy players now that we're so many days out though brian how are you feeling about jimmy butler have your opinions about him being a net or being traded to the nets and the net may, nets maybe wanted to trade for him has that shifted at all in the past week um probably yeah yeah um but i do want to say this little disclaimer like in our show we, we probably threw out like 15 different trade ideas and i love the idea that like you know fans will come out of the woodwork be like you guys are insane. Like idea number 12 was so stupid. <laughs> like, all right, come on. There's, we are just talking about everything that's, you know, that everyone else is probably like thrown out. I just ideas. So let me just say that, that that was a idea heavy podcast. Not a lot of it. We like think is, you know, realistic or likely or anything. Um, but in the end we did a terrible thing, which was, um, do this massive disservice to one another where we forced each other to say whether or not it was going to happen. And we both said it was going to happen if, if with a gun to our heads. Um, and I probably don't feel that way anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, not that I don't like, it's difficult. Like, yeah. Like if the, if the price goes down far enough, like obviously with any of these, uh, you know, anytime there's a trade for any player makes a lot of sense. But one thing that isn't clear to me is like, if the team, if like, you know, Miami, for example, was not on that first list. Does that mean that there isn't an assurance that he's going to resign with that team? You know, like, does that implicitly mean that? Oh man, don't they know we're f- doing podcasting <laughs> in here? What's going on? It lets people know that I'm we live yell- in New York. You know, like I feel I'm yell out the it's the sounds of New York. Um, yeah, so like I think it's like Pat Riley basically saying, um, one, they have no shot at getting a max player beyond trading for them, so they have to make a trade of this kind of level. And he he probably believes in himself enough to be like, I'm going to get Jimmy Butler here to Miami. He's been spending time in Chicago and Minnesota in the winters. He's going to come to Miami and just be blown away by the daily um, delights of temperature and culture mm-hmm. and all that baloney. There's like Mark Wahlbergs everywhere here. Yeah, in there are like, so yeah. <laughs> many Mark Wahlbergs from Pain and Gain. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... That's like that's his belief, and it makes more sense for a team like the Heat, who have no, you know, sort of real ways to get a kind of player like Jimmy Butler, for them to try to make this deal. Where for the Nets, you know, like I I will say I'm now much more shaded of was like 
eh, I don't really want Jimmy Butler. And, like, you know, I don't want to fall into that trap too much that the, this, like, because what happens when these trade negotiations kind of play out, there's always, like, um, it ends up looking more negative. Like, there was a time when people were like, I don't really want Kawhi Leonard. And you're thinking, like, that's crazy. Like, even though he had weird issues and the injury thing, you want Kawhi Leonard. Um, and I think if, like, Jimmy Butler was on the Nets, that would be fantastic. And, like, the team would look way different depending on who they give up. But, like, the... It's funny. Oh, sorry. No, no. no. What were you going to say? It's funny. I just feel like um, there's, like... Like, even in just talking about the Jimmy Butler thing, people there's a panic in people <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I, like, I guess I should have grown used to by now, but, like... Um, it's obviously because he, like our, you know, the Nets name was on the list of teams. So it seemed very real for a second there, but there, I think is like a PTSD from the Darren Williams era. Um, that is, it's going to be hard to get over for a lot of people. Um, and, and the thing is there will be a day of reckoning for this, right? Like, and it's not far away because we are going to have to make some actual investments because we're going to be one of very few teams that are, have the ability to do it in a very short window. So like, you know, there is going to be a time in the not too distant future where our, our safe, cozy, like, yeah, we're watching our young guys like grow to, you know, the result of like, you know, 35 to 28 wins um, is like that's going to be, you know, that's that's fun. It's it's cute. It's safe. But there is going to be a big, you know, risk. Eventually, you're going to have to make and it's going to I just can't. I think people are really still like traumatized from from the Darren William, uh, you know, era. Um, and like, you know, rightfully so, but you have to go back and think about it. Like it was the worst case scenario thing that like Darren William just stopped being good at basketball. You know, a guy who was really, really good stopped being good. Very difficult thing to predict, you know, especially right, you know, when we traded for him right in the heart of his prime. Um, you do that trade for Devin Harrison, what turned out to be Ennis Cantor and, and Derek Favors, a good trade, a not bad trade. And, you know, obviously everything that happened afterwards, that's those are all separate issues. But, you know, when people are conjuring Darren William comparisons, urge you to be very careful about this because, you know, it's it's really easy to go back and say, like, yeah, dumb, dumb, dumb. But, you know, you do have to throw in every now and again. you got to put your chips all in, you know, intermittently. Every four years, basically, is what, is what has to happen. And, and, and um, like, this team, you know. as much as we love them, Levert, Dinwiddie, D'Angelo, all these guys, like, even if they all reach their – potential right or somewhere near their potential d'angelo even himself this team isn't good enough to win the championship right like so if the nets if they all get through the potential they all resign with the nets and they just keep growing together still not good enough to win a championship so something is going to have to change like there's going to have to be a major piece that's imported here via a trade free agency at least one probably two Jimmy Butler, is he that piece? It's unlikely that he isn't, but if he's the piece that gets you the bigger piece, then then it's worth it. Right. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Um, it increases your chances, like, exponentially. Like, yes. that's that's the reality of it. You it know? really does. And, yeah. Like, as much as we like to talk about the two Max for Agent things, and as much as everyone else does, like, it really does make a difference when, when all these guys are going to be for agents, they're looking around, and they're like, yeah, I kind of know D'Angelo Russell, and I think he's talented, but, like, depending on how he plays this season, like, we may not really know how good he is and how he's perceived amongst the rest of the league. Um, but, like, Jimmy Butler is a guy who's been through the playoffs, 
established name, all-star games. He hangs out with Mark Wahlberg. Everyone loves that. Great guy. Um, <laughs> um, he is a guy that, like, if you're looking at the map of the NBA and you're a free agent and you're looking at all the cities and all the rosters, the Nets with Jimmy Butler stands out more than the Nets without Jimmy Butler. The only thing is, it's like, so, but that may not, that doesn't guarantee anything. So um, where I'm at with this deal is that if it were to happen and somehow Marks could get it done without really giving up tremendous amount of future assets, just like a, a mild amount of future assets, and that may have to be Levert, I could be okay with that. Beyond that, I don't think Marks is going to make a deal. And, like, part of the thing is is that, like, if the Nets wanted to get something done, they probably would have pushed for something now, right? Because you want to get him in as soon as possible. And the Nets have no complications blocking him. The Heat do because the Heat have a, a terrible salary cap situation. So they, they can't just be like, we want Jimmy Butler right now. Please let us have him. The Nets could do that. They just don't want him as badly as the heat do um the clippers could make a deal right now for jimmy butler and it would probably be good enough to where the owner of the the timberwolves would be like tibbs you're gonna have to take this deal because butler doesn't want to be here and i want a good team and i don't want to keep waiting around for jimmy butler to show up um one thing that was interesting within the the Woj report which will probably get more play as we keep going along um there's been a a a a shadow campaign out there for Jimmy Butler basically saying, you know, he may report to the Timberwolves, but he's going to say that he, he should say he's going to have an, he has an injury that he can't play within the Woj report. If there was a mention that Jimmy Butler has been going to the Wolves facility when the Wolves are on the road, which is like a weird sort of thing, but that Butler himself doesn't feel exactly good enough with his surgically repaired wrist. Okay. This surgically repaired wrist is going to become Kawhi Leonard's, I don't know, what was it, his hamstring? Yeah. That's, we're going to hear about his wrist a heck of a lot more than we have up until this point. Because it's going to be Butler's excuse for why he's not playing basketball. Um, and then once he gets traded, his wrist's going to be okay. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, Brian, great pod. Mike. Great pod. Great pod. We did it. Uh, um, lots more coming up, but there's not another freaking preseason game for a month what are you talking about just kidding oh yeah um, i mean it comes back on like monday but um everyone else is playing so many other more preseason games well but, like the net, i'm jelly the nets are lying in the weeds ready to strike and they don't want to we have reveal their offense too much four games total and the lakers have six think about that um real quick uh the nets are in the playoffs yes okay good um <laughs> <laughs> all right um Nice. Yes. Nice. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back at your ears as soon as possible. And hopefully we'll have some bigger guests coming through the pipe as we continue and march into the season opener. Brian. Mike, thanks for having me, hey, bud. Thanks for being here. Okay. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.